We're looking at Matthew chapter 18. This is our final Galilean parable. And next we'll go into the Perean parables. Perea really just simply means outside of, <clears throat> uh, kind of, not desert necessarily, but outside the cities. And so Jesus told quite a few parables traveling and outside of the main cities. But tonight we're looking at Matthew 18, the merciless servant, the merciless servant. And this is a unique parable. And uh, we look at Matthew chapter 18. We're not going to read that tonight, but uh, we're going to just read chapter 18, verse 1, and then we're going to jump over to verse 21. It says, At that same time came the disciples, 18.1, unto Jesus, saying, Who is the greatest in the kingdom of heaven? And then Jesus gives a little sermonette, a little teaching about how to be great in the kingdom in the entire thing he says is all about be humble, humble yourselves. So now we look at chapter 18, verse 21. And then Peter comes and says, Lord, how often shall I forgive my brother? Shall my brother sin against me and I forgive him? Uh, he talks about seven times till seven times. And of course, Jesus gives a great answer. God bless us as we take a look in the book for a walk in the world. Helps to make an application to our lives of this truth in Jesus name. Amen. So Peter, just uh, having heard a lesson on humility, uh, comes to the Lord. Remember, James and John said, who's going to be the greatest? In the, uh, James and John asked to sit on either side of Jesus. And of course, others had asked so many questions regarding humility. And uh, Jesus shares a lesson about how to be uh, great in the kingdom, to be humble in this world. And he teaches about forgiveness, and he had already taught about forgiveness. He taught them how to forgive in the prayer, the Lord's Prayer, help us to forgive our debtors. And then he tells them later in chapter 6, he says, God doesn't forgive us if we fail to forgive others. So he's already taught them about prayer, and he's already taught about humility. And now Peter says, Lord, how often shall I forgive? Now to the Pharisees, three was the limit. You weren't supposed to even forgive four times. That was the law of the Pharisees. But Jesus says seven times 70, 490. And that's not really what Jesus means. He's saying you just keep forgiving and forgiving and forgiving and forgiving. And so there's a lifetime of sin debt in our lives. And God's forgiveness didn't stop at 490 times. If God's forgiveness stopped at 490 times, I wouldn't have made it out of my teen years. Amen. In fact, when I got, became a Christian at 12, I'd already sinned way more than that. And my teenage years, man, the sins mounted up. And so I'm thankful that God didn't stop at 490 times. We have a lifetime of sin debt, an impossible debt to pay. Yet with God, all things are possible. And he made it happen. It took his miraculous grace to pardon us. Amen. And so the main truth here of this parable is to show mercy and forgive. And I think as Christians, the big failure in our community, Christian community, is the lack of forgiveness. We just are not compassionate, merciful people. We hold grudges. We get even. Uh, my father-in-law was telling me a story about two of his associates back in Puerto Rico when he started a church called Maranatha in Puerto Rico Military Church. He said... They had a disagreement, and he said, I won't name the names, but he said, Brother, so-and-so said to me, I'll get even with him. 
And he looked at him and said, there's nothing about that statement that's Christian. There's nothing about getting even that's Christian's vengeance is mine. God will take care of all that. We need to be merciful, forgiving people. And then he tells this wonderful story about a certain king. And uh, here God's accounting for his servants. Thankful our account, as I have here, is settled long ago. But in verse 23, you have a, a sinner with an impossible debt. Here's a servant who owed a ton of money, more than he could ever pay. Back in those days, peasants worked all day just to pay their taxes and have a tiny bit left over to bring home for food. It was terrible. It was a terrible economic situation. I mean, uh, the, the world gets better economically all the time. Now you say, well, there's people starving. That's true, but there's more food now than there was way back then. And we are so blessed. You, you couldn't imagine uh, for a Jew to walk in the... Uh, in, a, in a supermarket like we have today and see food piled up. And even though some had food piled up, the poor didn't have enough money to get in line and get that food. So when they did have an abundance, it wasn't available to needy people. The selfish ones would, like in all countries, take advantage of the poor and take care of their own first. So here this... Uh, Man owed a great debt. And of course, the Greeks wouldn't allow excuses. And this man says he would like patience or long suffering as he tried to pay this debt. Look at verse 27. Verse 27, we'll read this verse. It says here, Then the Lord, that's the same as the master of that servant, was moved with compassion and loosed him and forgave him this debt. The, the, the word loosed is translated release. It, it's, it's a word having to do with freedom. You know, when someone owes you money, you can release them from their obligation. We're encouraged in Scripture not to loan money. We're told rather to give money. And loaning money is a bad thing. Years ago, I had a missionary come to our church in Okinawa. I said, I'd like to borrow uh, you know, $25,000 to buy a house. And, and we were in the process of building some uh, servicemen centers and staff apartments. And I said, we just can't loan you money right now. We ended up giving him some money and it was a great amount, but you know, you just can't loan money. If you loan someone money, they don't pay you. There's a wedge between you. So don't loan money, give money. And if someone has a need and you can meet that need, that's wonderful. But when you hold them to paying you back, you know, it begins to break down the relationship. And so it's just not a good idea. We've all borrowed money to buy houses and things and cars, yet it's not a good idea to loan another brother money. It's better just to help him. But notice this word here, compassion. And it's the word, we get our word spleen from it. The spleen is an internal organ in our upper abdomen. Again, when you care about people, you have an inner feeling of compassion for them. You just hurt on the inside, and that's the teaching here. And that's translated in 2 Corinthians chapter 7, verse 15. It's translated inward affection. Look at 2 Corinthians chapter uh, 7. I, it's just good to mark your Bible. 
So we'll get to 2 Corinthians chapter 7, verse 15. And right in, in, in near this verse, or near inward affection, write the verse here, uh, Matthew 18, 27. And his inward affection is more abundant towards you. That's the same Greek word. Here it's translated inward affection. And what is the Greek word? Spleen. So you write back in Matthew 7, write the word compassion, draw an arrow there in your column, and write the word spleen. Isn't that helpful? Because we understand that feeling on the inside of hurting for others. I love to hear stories about people who break with compassion for those they're concerned for. We all have compassion for our kids and grandkids. We shed a lot of tears for them, right? I mean, we do. I have a grandchild with spinal bifida. I'm not going to tell you which one it is, but I, it just hurts me. And one time I was at their school. I came to school and uh, to visit him, and he said, Papa, Papa, and he came running across this field. And you can tell by the way he runs that there's something wrong, and I just broke. I'm around all these people. I didn't care. I had that, that, that inward feeling, that hurt, that compassion for him because I was an athlete and I understand what it means to play sports and have a healthy body and he's never gonna have that opportunity. And it just crushed me. So it's easy with our grandkids, but we're supposed to have that same inward pain, that internal organ pain, that inward affection for lost people. And sometimes we don't even like lost people. You know, especially if they're rich and famous and loudmouth and in, you know, annoying and, and just evil. You just, oh, I can't wait till they have to bow before the Lord. But actually, we're supposed to have compassion for anyone who's lost in sin because they will suffer for eternity. Keep that in mind. So here we have this word compassion. And what does the servant do like God would do? He releases him. Same words used in relation to Barabbas. What did they do with Barabbas? Release him, release him. They released Barabbas, even though he had a debt that he owed society because of his sin. And that sin went upon Jesus, and Jesus was then taken prisoner and crucified. And so it's the same word, uh, this idea of he loosed him and forgave him the debt. Freed him, freed him from uh, the sin and the debt. Now in verse 28, the same man who was just released from a debt, just received all this mercy and compassion, goes out and finds one of his servants. They had a hierarchy in the, you know, in the fields. They, they really did. They had leading servants. In fact, quite a few of the wealthy, you read in Scripture, had someone who was over all their affairs. And so he had a servant under him that owed him money. And he went and he grabs him by the throat and he says, pay what you ought to pay me. Pay what you owe. That word we know is translated in the Bible several ways. One of the ways that word owed is translated here in verse 28. You see that word owed him a hundred pence. It's translated ought. Now, why is that significant? Well, it's kind of a deep truth, but Scripture tells us we ought to wash feet. In other words, we owe it to our brethren to humble ourselves and serve them. Think about that. And we ought to love our wives. Did you know you owe it to your wife to love her? You owe that to her. 
And so he had owed 100 pence. And he grabs him by the throat and uh, he's not going to forgive him. Uh, he had a Lamech type attitude. Lamech, remember, in Genesis 4, 24, he killed a man and he said he could avenge 77 times. He had that attitude. I'm going to get even with people. He had killed a man and he had that attitude. I'm going to get even. And there are people that live their lives this way. I love C.S. Lewis quote here. I'm glad I typed it out there for you. C.S. Lewis said, forgiveness is a beautiful word until you have to forgive. <laughs> uh -huh. It's a beautiful word until you have to forgive. It's so easy to harbor something in our heart. And in my life, there's been times that I've harbored things against people. And I've had to say, God, I have this feeling of animosity towards this person. Please help me with it. Did you know that your pastor has to pray for God to give him grace to forgive? That's right. I, I, I can't find grace to forgive sometimes. And I have to say, God, help me. I, I've got to forgive this person. And in my life, I can think of two people, one in particular that hurt me so bad for so long. Not, and he's not related to me, but and I just couldn't understand why God allowed it to happen. I really couldn't do anything about it. But, you know, I had to just say, God, I, I can't emotionally get over this. Right now, you see, there's a decisional forgiveness, which we all want to make. We have to say, God, help me to forgive. And we say, all right, I forgive you. But, you know, the emotions that are attached to that linger. And the emotion is going to be there for a long time for you in some cases. If you've been hurt very bad, very badly, excuse me, the emotions will be there for a long time and you have to say, God, help me emotionally to get beyond this because I still have those feelings. And, and so we don't want to be like Lamech. We want to be like Jesus. So he wouldn't forgive me, threw him into prison. I mean, he just decided he wasn't going to forgive him. Well, some of the fellow servants spoke up and said, wait a minute. They reminded him of the debt he had owed and how there was compassion showed towards him. Verse um, 20, let's see, verse 31. I've got to find the word here. Okay, excuse me, verse 33. They, they question him. Should us, and, well, they, they, they tell on him and he's confronted him. Then his Lord called him, in verse 32, and said, I forgave you all your debt. Shouldest not thou have had compassion on thy fellow servant, even as I had pity on thee. And by the way, the word compassion and pity in that verse are the same Greek word. Compassion and pity. And every time you find the New Testament word mercy, that's this Greek word. So that Greek word can be translated three different ways, and two of them are right here. Compassion, pity, and mercy. And you have these things in your notes. But when you get home, you want to write those things in there. Um, so the slave owed millions by today's standard. You know, and the fact is forgiveness is just sometimes going to include getting over so much, whether someone owes you a lot of money. Now, if someone's cheated you out of money, I've, I've had people and you know people that have been cheated by 50, 100,000. I've known people that have fought over the will. I know people that have connived and, and stolen their parents' will from the siblings when they got old, had them change, change the will and did things like that. 
and then the siblings can't get over it and you have to say to them, if there's nothing you can do to get your money back, you just got to let it go. That's easier said than done, isn't it? That's easier said than done. But not just money. There's also people, I'm always amazed when I read a story of someone who, we had a wonderful lady in our church. The Lord just brought this to my mind, so I'm going to change, change the illustration right now. We had a wonderful lady in our church that gave her testimony at uh, a ladies' Bible study. Now, our church had probably a couple hundred African-Americans in it. Uh, we were a majority, you know, we had about 500, I guess, uh, Caucasians, and then we had a lot of wives that were from all over the world, Filipino, Korean, Japanese. But we had a, quite a few uh, African-American people so this young lady came to our church and she was really afraid of the African-American people. Now our people are great people. Some of them are mission work today and love the Lord. I have some dear friends that are African-American. Thank God for them, great people. But she was afraid to come to our church because, she was afraid to come to any military church because military has a mixed multitude, not mixed as in lost and saved, but I mean mixed races. So she shared her testimony with our African-American ladies mixed in there, and she shared this testimony. When she was a teenager, she was grabbed by some men, black African-American men, and gang raped for several days in a van. Now, I, I can't fathom how you get over that. The emotional baggage there. But do you know she was able to get beyond that, to forgive and have good relationships with African Christian people, African Americans who were saved people. But that had to be a miracle, you know. You, you think about people who've lost everything, cheated out of everything, and, and people who have had experiences like that, and people who have had their kids uh, kidnapped, raped, and murdered. I can't fathom that. But I know God is able to give you the grace to forgive no matter what your circumstances. This is probably something I should preach on a Sunday morning, but you know, God led me to say this today to you. And so we have to move forward in our lives. We cannot harbor bitterness and grudges. There's another Greek word. I'll just show it to you just so you know. Uh, it's in your notes, but in uh, Hebrews 10, 34, I'll read another word here and you can look this up later and mark your Bible. For you had compassion on me and my bonds and took joyfully the spoiling of your goods, knowing in yourselves that you have in heaven a better and an enduring substance. The word compassion, a third Greek word. This, our word sympathia. And what word do we get from that? Sympathy. It's another word. So you have three Greek words in your New Testament, all translated compassion. And, uh, of course, sympathy is another side of compassion. To, to have, you know, sympathy for others. And it's also found in 1 Peter 3. So finally, the angry master delivered this servant to the tormentors because he wouldn't forgive. He wouldn't forgive. And, you know, later we'll look at Matthew 6, 14 and 15. In just a moment, we'll look at it. But Leonardo da Vinci painted one of his personal enemies' face on Judas when he painted, the, you know, the followers of Jesus and the Lord. He painted his enemy's face on Judas because he just couldn't forgive him. And his testimony is, if you call it a testimony, the story is that he couldn't paint Jesus' face until he first painted over his enemy's face and painted Judas' face 
changed it to, to be Judas. You know, sometimes we have something in our mind, we just can't get rid of it. We just can't get over it. And, and you know what? When you don't forgive, you know who it hurts? You. The person you harbor the grudge against, you know, they may not even remember hurting you. Maybe they do, and it may be one of those serious things. But releasing them from the debt will give you a feeling of release and freedom as well. Freedom from bitterness. I've known a lot of people that were bitter. Years ago, I had a friend, preacher friend of mine, say to me, something had happened to me. He knew it happened. He approached me. He said, I know what happened to you, Brother Dan. He said, but I also know a lot of preachers who are bitter, and God's placed them on a shelf, and they don't preach anymore because they never got over it. They never forgave. Don't end up on a shelf. God can't use us when we're eaten up with bitterness because bitterness is a sin. Did you know that? The Bible talks about a root of bitterness. It's not easy to get that root up. You know, it takes repentance. You have to recognize your sin before you can tear the roots up. And so we need to deal with these things in our lives. And just for the next few moments, the application to your life, we'll just quickly go through this. You'll have to finish up when you get home. Forgiveness is about fellowship. We, we should pray the Lord's Prayer when we can't forgive others. Because, Father, forgive us our debts as we forgive our debtors. And do you know when you don't forgive others, you're not right with God and your fellowship is broken? I heard someone say the other day, I don't remember where and who said it. They said, God always hears our prayer. I don't know if I heard it from on the radio, TV or something. And that's not really true. You know that. Psalm 66, 18 says, if I regard iniquity in my heart, God will not. And Isaiah 59, 1 and 2, God's hand is not shortened that it cannot save, but it's, but it's long, long and extends out. And I can't remember, but he goes on to say, but your sins have separated you from God and he will not. Two verses right there, or three, that say, teach clearly that when you sin, God doesn't hear your prayer. So when you pray, you need to confess the sin. And I mean, you need to be real with God and admit that it's sin and ask God to cleanse you from that. Otherwise, your prayer is a waste of time because God's not listening. I had a neighbor who was lost. His name's Alex Cutchins. He's been dead for many years. He is an artist, ended up being an art instructor at the University of Iowa, and uh, right next door to me. And uh, I used to witness to him all the time. And he said, he said, Dan, I can't believe in a God that would allow my grandfather to die of cancer and suffer the way he did. And he said, I prayed and I prayed and I prayed and I prayed for my grandfather to be spared and to be healed of cancer. And he suffered and he died. And I can't believe a God like that. And I was a young guy, had more boldness than I should have had. And I said to him, but God didn't hear your prayer. What do you mean God didn't hear our prayer? I said, scripture teaches if you're lost, God doesn't even know you. The first and only prayer God will hear from a sinner is what? Forgive me for I'm a sinful man. And then God will listen. I'm not saying God would heal his grandfather. I didn't tell him that. But I said, first of all, you have to know God to be able to talk to God. And then as Christians, when we allow unconfessed sin in our life, he doesn't hear us. So if that bitterness is there, 
Get it out. Write out Matthew 6, 14 and 15 and start memorizing that. And that is great. It's the verses for if you forgive not others. It goes on to say that God won't forgive you. And that you can look up later. But memorize those verses. It'll help you when you harbor bitterness in your heart. And I've got a note here, throw out your sin debt calculators. Quit keeping score. Quit keeping score. Life is not fair. Remember I preached on the parable weeks and weeks ago about the person who had a lot of sin and God gave him his sin debt. He was much more joyful than the other guy and the other guy couldn't understand it and Jesus explained it's because he had much more sin. You know, think about people you know that lived a really bad life and they get saved and have all kinds of joy and you're like, what is going on? I never had that kind of joy. Well, what does scripture teach? They had a lot more sin, therefore salvation meant a lot to them because all that sin debt is gone. Uh, well, if you, if you owed the bank $5 and someone paid it, you'd say, well, thank you. But if you owed the bank $5 million and some paid it, you'd come out of, whew, that's unbelievable. $5 million. Someone paid my debt. And that, that's the way it is with sin. So while it seems unfair to us that grace isn't measured out fairly, it is in, by God's standard. And we don't understand God's ways. And I know guys that have been in prison, and, and you know people with great sin debts that just constantly praise the Lord because of that release from all that burden and debt. Our new debt is to God, a debt of gratitude that we can't even pay, but we can forgive others. And what does Matthew 5, 7 say? What are, what are the, one of the Beatitudes is, blessed are the what? Merciful. Blessed are the merciful. You know, and some people say, well, I'll forgive, but I'm not going to forget. But we're told to try to forget. It says, forget those things which are behind and press towards the mark of the prize of the high calling. So we're tr to try to forget. And, you know, constantly bringing it up, constantly thinking about it and dwelling on it isn't helping you. You have to say, God, help me to get over it. And Peter probably really had trouble forgiving himself. Forgiving himself, excuse me. It's so fascinating to study that and to compare that with the first psalm, you know. It talks about uh, the three places where Peter denied the Lord. Compare that with Psalm chapter 1. When he stood by the way and sat and walked and he, he denied the Lord. Compare that with Psalm chapter 1. But Jesus comes to him on the Sea of Galilee and asks him, how many times do you love me? Three. And I'm sure that helped Peter to realize, you know, that God's grace applied. And Peter needs to move forward and be a fisher of men. I like this little quote. We had a sin debt we couldn't pay, and Jesus paid a debt he didn't owe. And then I ask a simple question, and you can answer that later. But if you don't know the Lord, his forgiveness is available because he's a merciful God. My closing word is to be a merciful, forgiving Christian. And if you aren't, you'll be a bitter, unhappy Christian. Amen? Bless us, Lord. Thank you for your word. Thank you for the challenge of the Great Commission. And thank you for loving us and forgiving of us, forgiving us of a great sin debt. Bless now, in Jesus' name we pray. Amen. God bless you. You're dismissed.